Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. So I got the call to go to Memphis. Saturday afternoon as I'm coming into Ohio. Um, so Sunday morning, um, I got up and uh, got up really early. I mean, I tend, I'm pretty light sensitive. So sometimes I will like, no, I'm going to lay here for a while and see if I can sleep more. But um, I woke up at like six-ish, you know, with the sun. Um, and from what I'd seen online, the part the Serpent Mound didn't open until 10. It was like 10 to 4, 10 to 5, something like that. And so um, so I had my breakfast and meditated and wrote in my journal for a little while. And um, I knew I was going to be heading uh, from there to Cincinnati to go to the, um, un- the National Underground Railroad Museum in Cincinnati. And then... Um, head down to Memphis since I've gotten the call to change course and go to Memphis. So um, I had found a place really close to Serpent Mound, um, Adams Lake State Park that used to be a day-use area and has just recently done camping. Um, so it was only like 10 minutes away from Serpent Mound or something. It was pretty awesome. And um so after I have my breakfast and uh, leave there about 9.30 or so, and um, as I'm getting closer to Serpent Mound, the, the roads are getting really snaky, you know? It's really uh, winding up and down these, uh, and curving around these hills and things like this, so this all seems very appropriate and well and um, pulled into Serpent Mound and there's some burial mounds that you pass as you're coming in and um, went inside and went through the museum first and then uh, go out and start walking towards the mounds and uh, at the end of the ritual in Maine the, the ritual on Wabanaki land for healing turtle island we closed out the four days of ceremony by singing a snake song and uh, everyone putting their left hand on the right shoulder of the person in front of them and sort of snaking out of the pagodas and around onto the fields um so uh, so I was really excited because I had a snake song to sing at Serpent Mound. Um, that's the kind of cool stuff that happens when the ancestors are your travel guides, right? So uh, 
So I get to the edge and take off my shoes and I'm walking on the grass just next to the, um, the little sidewalk that they have around it. They ask you not to walk on the mounds. So I respected that. Um, and I've filled my pocket with cornmeal and tobacco. So as I'm walking around, I start singing the serpent song. And at every like recess in the mound and point in the mound, um, I'm dropping a little cornmeal and tobacco and saying thank you. And then I get to the top where the head is. So there's like this open head uh, eating an egg. The tail is coiled on one side and then there's this open mouth eating an egg on the other. And then like a little diamond at the very, very tip. So the very tip of it points to sundown on summer solstice, the head point of it. And um, there's a little bench there. So uh, so I sat down for a minute. I'm still singing the song. I felt the push to do the willow dance that, um, that my mother's mother's people have. So I did the willow dance. And... Um, and then I'm just sitting still singing the song and these butterflies come and land on me. So one landed on my left foot, one landed on my right knee, which I'm having a lot of problems with right now. Uh, one landed on my right wrist and there was a fourth one that was just kind of flitting around, right? So it would be here for a minute, it'd be there for a minute. Um, it stayed on my left shoe for a little while um, but they, you know, obviously I'm not moving <laughs> when I have butterflies on me. I am not moving. I'm just going to sit here and sing the song until the butterflies aren't here anymore. Right. Um, so I ended up, I think singing the song a lot longer than I would have. Um, but it, it did, it brought through some breakthroughs and I can't even really put to words it was just um, movements of energy and um, waves of gratitude. And um, so some tears flowed and still the butterflies stayed on and I can feel their little butterfly kisses, you know, it was really amazing. Seriously, it was like 15, 20 minutes. I'm sitting there with these four butterflies on me. And um, so uh, then I saw some families coming down the way, so I, you know, I thought, okay, they're probably gonna disturb the butterflies. We'll see what happens. Uh, maybe not. Maybe so. Maybe not. Um, and they did. It was some little kids running around, but um, uh, so the butterflies flew off, and um, so I got up and you know continued to sing the serpent song around the other side of the mounds. And I could really feel the sort of undulating energy underneath it. It was really beautiful um, and so powerful. Um, it was really an amazing experience and I'm very grateful that I was able to be there. I would really love to be able to celebrate a solstice in that place. Um, so after I finished there, there's another burial mound. So um, I realized that 
that was the first place I had laid down corn and tobacco uh, as soon as I got out of my car because I parked right in front of it. Um, and as soon as I got out of my car, I got out of my car and laid down corn and tobacco and um, said thank you. And, uh, you know, and then went back into my car to like fill my pocket with it because I knew I was going to want more for walking around the mounds. But um, so it was cool to see that I had given my respects there as soon as I pulled out without even knowing what it was. I didn't notice it when I first pulled in. So, um, but coming off the mounds, I could see the sign on this side, right? There was the sign wasn't pointing towards where my car was. So, um, so I sat for a moment under one of the trees, um, just kind of drinking it all in. And then uh, got in the car and headed towards Cincinnati. Um, and went to the National Underground Railroad Museum there. Uh, the guy, when he was selling tickets to the people in front of me, I heard him say that typically people start at the top and work their way down, like on the third floor and work their way down. So, um, so I went up to the third floor and I went to the exhibit on modern day slavery first. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, kudos to the educational designers that put that together. Um, it was visceral, so powerful. Uh, it really felt like a high kick to the heart. Um, it was intense. It was really, really intense. Um, they follow uh, a few different stories. Um, so there's, you know, migrant worker, um, uh, a child soldier, um, someone that was sold into sex slavery, right? So there's a couple of, there's a, these different kinds of modern day slavery. And you're following these stories of these people um, and the things that have happened to them. And, you know, they've woven statistics into it as well. And at the end of the exhibit, you know, these are all people that these different organizations have worked with and um, managed to get out of the situation. Um, so they're, they're free now. Um, so there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but man, it's a dark tunnel. Uh, and there was a panel at one point that said something about, you know, there used to be an underground railroad that helped people get out of slavery. With chattel slavery, there was an underground railroad that helped people get out of slavery. But now um, there's an underground network of criminals that are pulling people into it. Oh, how the tables have turned. Um... So it's really, it's really a visceral, disturbing look at exploitive capitalism and the way that our economy is built to just grind people up, really. Um, the foundation of 
lack of respect for life is not even the right nomer for this. And it's what this exploitative capitalism, it does it to the land and people. Um, it's really no good for anyone. It's such a poison and disease. Um, and finding a way out of it is really the problem of our time. It has been for, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, really. Um, because as it pointed out, you know, like, how do you know that, you know, every every object we have has parts made in different places? Everything is so globalized. So how do you know that the car that you have doesn't have pig iron that was processed by forced labor? Um, I know when it comes to electronics that uh, there are, as far as I know, there are no electronics that are made that are cruelty-free, right? The mining practices for the minerals that are used in the electronics we use are horrific. Um, so it's, it's really intense and, um, and how to extricate from ourselves from this is not something I know. I mean, it's a full-time job to even figure out where things are coming from. And, um, and I remember this, you know, like in the eighties and nineties, um, when people first started breaking into awareness about, you know, the impact of where we're spending our dollars and breaking through this, this shroud, this carnival that they set up that makes it look like we have all these different choices. Um, but if you're, you know, if you know that there's a particular corporation that has got, um, labor or an environmental practices that, uh, you find disgusting, it's pretty hard to find um, goods that are not manufactured. I mean, it looks like we have all this choice, but at the end of the day, there's like four or five multinational corporations that um, that you trace almost everything back to. So it takes quite a bit of research to um, to get out of that kind of web to begin with. Um, and you can think that you found something and then one of those corporations buys it anyway. So uh, it can be really, really frustrating. And it does feel like this hydra um, that just keeps sprouting new heads every time you cut one off, right? So um, it's, it's a little overwhelming. I mean, it doesn't mean, you know, it's not an excuse to lay it down and not do anything about it. But I think also being patient with ourselves and kind with ourselves as we try to figure it out and doing the next best thing is really important. But, um, it's certainly going to take, um, it is a problem that is beyond individual changes, right? This is, this takes systematic changes, just like racism and sexism and homophobia, right? This It's important for us to each do our own thing, uh, to work towards that and to, um, 
to work on pulling those threads out of us because we've all had them baked in. We've all been colonized with these ideas. Um, so there's certainly the individual work that goes with it, but this is this take we're at a place where this takes like so many things, also environmental issues. This takes um, systematic changes, uh, societal changes governmental changes. There's going to have to be big approaches to solve these problems. So, um, yeah, and I know like with like sex slavery, for example, um, here in America, the average age of prostitutes is 14 years old. I find it really interesting that the average age of prostitutes and the average age of models tends to track with each other. Um, in most places, the girls are charged with felonies and the Johns are charged with misdemeanors. Um, so obviously that's not stopping anytime soon, right? Um, I can't remember, I know it was somewhere in Scandinavia, I don't know if it was Norway or Sweden, but somewhere in Scandinavia, they decriminalized selling sex. Um, and it is only a crime to buy sex. So, um, and it has made an impact in um, the rates of prostitution there. And I think it's a wise move towards understanding how this actually works. Um, these are, a lot of women are actually... Uh, forced into this, um, runaways, things like this, women that answer ads thinking they're going to be waiting tables in Europe and they get their passports taken away from them and they're put in the red light district somewhere. Um, but even women that, um, aren't under the slavery conditions, I think, Prostitution is something women do when they don't feel like they have any other options. And unfortunately, it is still one of the highest paid professions for women. So um, and I think really reckoning with that uh, and the, the thing, there's so many threads that have gotten us to that place in the first place. But um, yeah, if you're in Cincinnati, definitely go check out the National Underground Railroad Museum. That section of the exhibit alone is worth the price of admission. It was really powerful, so powerful. And I think it's something that a lot of us don't realize um, is going on. And the least we can do is stand and really feel the feels. So on the other side of the floor, uh, they had... Um, it was like from slavery to freedom or something like this. So it was sort of the, the, the walk through the history of chattel slavery to emancipation and um, really well put together again, um, really interesting exhibits. Um, yeah, kudos to the museum educational designers there. That's really fantastic. Um, but I, I would recommend that if you go through to do the From Freedom to Slavery first, um, because I did notice that after having gone through the modern day slavery, 
it was such an emotional punch. And of course, it's still happening. So um, there's no distance, you know. I found it hard to process the other exhibit. There's a lot. And it, they do a great job of showing um, these sort of like parallel timelines of things that are happening with the Native American community, um, as well as what's happening with the African American community. And um, But there's a lot of dates and a lot of conflicting laws and, um, you know, the general sort of like complicated nonsense that happens when people are trying to act like something isn't a problem when it is, you know? Um, so I found, I did find that hard to process after going through the modern day slavery. I, my, uh, emotional circuits were full and it made it hard for me to process, um, the other side. Uh, and so I had parked across the street at a meter and I only had two hours um, online, it said that most people only spent two hours there, so I thought I was going to be okay, but um, it was at my time, and I knew I needed to get to Memphis. It was uh, 10 o'clock before I got to Memphis as it was, so so I couldn't go out and extend uh, my meter. I knew I needed to leave, so I only saw the top floor. I didn't um, see the second floor. I understand that there's like a slave pen and some other stuff there that's supposed to be really powerful. Um, but it was past my meter time. Um, so, uh, so I left there and, um, and started on my way down to Memphis. But, um, if you're in Cincinnati, the National, uh, Underground Railroad Museum is incredibly powerful. Check it out. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, got to be weird and wild about it, you know. So may your heart mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.